Good morning. It's good to be with you. It's been encouraging already to worship with you through song and prayer and reading. So we're going to continue that this morning. We're going to open up our Bibles to Isaiah 26, and we're going to read 26 and 27. And we're going to look at those verses together. Isaiah chapter 26. In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. He sets up salvation as walls and bulwarks. Open the gates that the righteous nation that keeps faith may enter in. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. For he has humbled the inhabitants of the height, the lofty city. He lays it low, lays it low to the ground, casts it to the dust. The foot tramples at the feet of the poor, the steps of the needy. The path of the righteous is level. You make level the way of the righteous. In the path of your judgments, O Lord, we wait for you. Your name and remembrance are the desire of our soul. My soul yearns for you in the night. My spirit within me earnestly seeks you. For when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world learn righteousness. If favor is shown to the wicked, he does not learn righteousness. In the land of uprightness, he deals corruptly and does not see the majesty of the Lord. O Lord, your hand is lifted up, but they do not see it. Let them see your zeal for your people and be ashamed. Let the fire for your adversaries consume them. O Lord, you will ordain peace for us. For you have indeed done for us all our works. O Lord our God, other lords besides you have ruled over us. But your name alone we bring to remembrance. They are dead. They will not live. They are shades. They will not arise. To that end you have visited them with destruction and wiped out all remembrance of them. But you have increased the nation, O Lord. You have increased the nation. You are glorified. You have enlarged all the borders of the land. O Lord, in distress they saw you. They poured out a whispered prayer when your discipline was upon them. Like a pregnant woman who writhed and cries out in her pangs when she is near to giving birth, so were we because of you, O Lord. We were pregnant, we writhed, but we gave birth to wind. We have accomplished no deliverance in the earth, and yet inhabitants of the world have not fallen. Your dead shall live, their bodies shall rise. You who dwell in the dust, awake and sing for joy, for your dew is a dew of light, and the earth will give birth to the dead. Come, my people, enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourselves for a little while until the fury has passed by. For behold, the Lord is coming out from his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity, and the earth will disclose the blood shed on it and will no more cover its slain. In that day, the Lord, with his hard and great and strong sword, will punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, Leviathan, the twisting serpent, and he will slay the dragon that is in the sea. In that day, a pleasant vineyard, sing of it. I, the Lord, am its keeper. Every moment I water it, lest anyone punish it. I keep it night and day. I have no wrath. Would that I have thorns and briars to battle. I would march out against them. I would burn them up together. Or 
Let them lay hold of my protection. Let them make peace with me. Let them make peace with me. In the days to come, Jacob shall take root, Israel shall blossom and put forth shoots and fill the whole earth with fruit. Has he struck them as he struck those who struck them? Or have they been slain as their slayers were slain? Measure by measure, by exile, you contended with them. He removed them with his fierce breath in the day of the east wind. Therefore, by this, the guilt of Jacob will be atoned for. And this will be the full fruit of the removal of his sin. When he makes all the stones of the altars like chalk stones crushed to pieces, no ashram or incense altars will remain standing. For the fortified city is solitary, and habitation deserted and forsaken like the wilderness. There a calf, a calf, the calf grazes. There it lies down and strips its branches. When its bows are dry, they are broken. Women come and make a fire of them. For this is a people without discernment. Therefore, he who made them will not have compassion on them. He who formed them will show them no favor. In that day, from the river Euphrates to the brook of Egypt, the Lord will thresh out the grain, and you will be gleaned one by one, O people of Israel. And that, in that day, a great trumpet will be blown, and those who were lost in the land of Assyria and those who were driven out in the land of Egypt will come and worship the Lord on the holy mountain at Jerusalem. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come here today needing encouragement and strength, and we look to your word and to you to provide that for us. So we thank you that we have your word, that we can open it, we can read it, and we can dive in together. Show us Christ today from this text, and breathe life into us in strength. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you're like me, it's not always easy to trust the Lord. And what I mean by that is it's not always easy to trust Him in practice, in real life, when life gets hard, when life gets difficult, when life gets tricky, and when life is surprising. Much of life, you know, I think we wish we could just draw it out and map it out ourselves with no ups and downs, with no surprises, with no, with no things that come and just shake us, shake us to our core. But that's not life. And that's not how God has designed it. So much, much, many of the times I can, I can have a, a situation come into my life, and it's surprising. At, at times are good. Things are going well relationally at work, at church, and all of a sudden a season comes I did not expect, and it shakes me. So again, if you're like me, sometimes my first inclination, my first reaction is to look horizontal. I'll look for something strong that can maybe keep the good times rolling. I can look, I'll look for something that maybe can provide an answer for the difficulty that I'm facing. And oftentimes, those fail. They don't work because I'm looking in the wrong place. And Isaiah was written to a group of people, to God's people, to Judah, after a time of peace. After King Uzziah died, there was a vacuum. All those, those years of, of, of goodness and peace, all of a sudden, it come to an end. There was a time of uncertainty. And Assyria started coming into the picture. And they were a massive nation, and they were cruel, and they were on a conquest. And they were coming. What was Israel to do? What was God's people to do? Where were they to look? And this is why the book of Isaiah was written. To show them the Holy One of Israel. 
to lift up their gaze when life was flipped, when things got uncertain and when fear started to come in and settle into their minds? Were they to look to Egypt? Were they to look to Babylon, to Moab, to Tyre and Sidon? No, they were to look up and they were to trust the Lord. So these ver- the chapters 24 through 27 really take Judah's eyes and they fix them on what is coming. That refrain in that day is, is all over these chapters and is teaching God's people to look up to God and especially to look at what God is going to bring and what is coming in that day. And that's what these chapters 26 and 20 do. They, they help us trust the Lord. And we're going to hear from four different voices that really do help us trust the Lord. They, in a sense, are saying, trust Him. Look what God's doing. Look who our God is. Trust the Lord. Look at verse 4 with me of chapter 26. Well, let's begin at verse 3, actually. It says, You keep Him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because He trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. They are, they are calling us to trust the Lord. So that verse 4, I think, kind of is an umbrella over all of chapter 26 and 27. So again, we're going to hear from four voices. We're going to hear from the voice of the redeemed community, the voice of the faithful community in Isaiah's day, the voice of the prophet, and we're going to hear from the voice of the Lord himself, all calling us to trust on him. So first, let's look and see what the voice of the redeemed community has to tell us. That's in chapter 26, verse 1 to 6. And it begins, in that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. So already we have a a tone of celebration. And here they break into song. It says, we have a strong city. He sets up salvation as walls and bulwarks. It's like these people, they're, they're, they're just looking around at what God has done in that day. And they're just marveling at it. They're saying, what strong, what strength characterizes this city? What a strong city we have. They're actually speaking to one another. They're saying, look at the strength of it. Look where we are. Look what God has done. Because it is God who has done it. It says, we have a strong city. He sets up salvation as walls and bulwarks. And they look at the strength and they marvel. And they're marveling at God's salvation. And this is our hope. This is where the Bible is moving to this strong city. Abraham, when God gave him all those amazing promises back in Genesis chapter 12 and 15 and 17, Abraham was told he's going to have a land, he's going to have many descendants, a great nation, he was going to have a relationship with the Almighty, and there was going to be one of his descendants who was going to bring blessing to the nations. He moved into that promised land and he actually pitched tents. It's interesting, he pitched tents in the land that God said he was going to have. So what kind of hope did Abraham have? It says in Hebrews 11 that Abraham looked forward, not to the promised land that he was occupying in that day, but forward to a land that it was a city who has its foundations and its walls built by God himself. And we read earlier in our, in our morning reading already that the salvation is described as a city coming down from heaven, from God. The new Jerusalem and Zion. So this is that city. Do you have a faith like that today that looks forward to this city? That you're claiming that as your hope? For that is the destination of all those who put their faith in the Lord's promises and in His Messiah. This great and strong city. 
So it is a hallmark of faith. It's been a hallmark of favor since Abraham, stretching all the way through the Bible. So this is why they're calling us to trust the Lord. They're saying, trust in the Lord forever. And I love that. They kind of, they kind of, they're speaking. We have the strong city, sets up salvation walls and works. Open the gates of the righteous nation that keeps faith may enter in. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. So trust in him. That's what they're saying. Verse 4, so trust in him. It's a message for us. And help us think about these verses, especially verse 3. I want us to think about mountain climbers. I was in the country of Georgia and we got to look at the, there's a mountain range that goes through Georgia and their peaks stretch over 5,000 meters high. And they're breathtaking. And there's people that think, uh, you know, on their hobby, they're just going to start to climb these things. I, I find that scary to even think about. But they traverse these 5,000, 8,000 meter high mountains and they do so to get to the destination, to get to the top. But to do so, to reach that destination, you need proper gear. You need all the right equipment, the harnesses, the helmets, the tents, all that, the ropes and, the, and things like that. But you also need a little piece called a protection. And it's a little piece of steel. And when you're climbing up this rock face, again, 5,000 meters high, you, you need something to latch you into that rock. And that's what these little things do. They'll find a little space in the rock and they'll thrust this piece of steel in there and they'll attach their harness to it. And then they'll continue to climb. And they'll do that, so if they ever slipped, if they ever lost the footing or lost their grip and they fell, their harness would catch that clip and that steel would keep them in the rock. It would support their whole body weight. So they don't climb necessarily on their own strength, they do so attached to the rock. And this is how we are supposed to live our Christian life, attaching ourselves to the rock. Did you catch that in verse four? Trust in the Lord forever. Let that be a continual trait of your life. Trust in God, for He is an everlasting rock. So that's what our life is to be like, is to, when it says, you keep Him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, that's what staying on the Lord looks like. It looks like as you walk in this Christian life, like that mountain climber, you thrust everything that comes into your life, every trial, every burden, every fear, you press it deep into the everlasting rock. And you keep going. That's what faith looks like. And as we do, no matter how high up, no matter what comes into your life, whether it be a sickness, a lost job, family turmoil, whether it be slander from a neighbor for you being just a follower of Jesus, we can, as we take that trial and press further into the everlasting rock, know peace. Do you need peace this morning? I need peace. And he keeps, that's a promise, he keeps him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. God loves to look after his children who look to him in need. Think of a parent with a young child. Dad, I need help. It's the, that, that the father just loves to do that with a child. A mother loves to do that. And that's what the Lord loves to do for us. He says, come to me. And I will keep you in perfect peace. This isn't a peace that the world can afford. It's perfect peace. It's literally shalom, shalom. We live in a world that, like Israel, when, when Assyria was coming, could have went after any, any kind of stronghold. Our world is full of strongholds that it offers us. It'll say, come and, and find your security in money. 
Find a pursuit of, of, of reaching all your goals and individualism. It has a host of things. Come and find comfort in drugs and alcohol and numb yourself from the pain. It has many things. And yet all of them, before our eyes, are failing. They failed us in our past. We can look back at our own life and see the things that we ran to at one time. And that failure and the, and the lack of peace that it brought. So we are in a, a season of life that maybe no more in the last few decades has there been more offered to us by our world, and yet they're failing. We need to take this message of peace to our world, true peace, perfect peace, that attaches us to an everlasting God. Think about that. Everlasting God. An everlasting, unshakable, eternal God, who is able to take us and hold us fast and keep us. And he's able to bring us into this city. Verse 5 says, For he has humbled the inhabitants of the height, the lofty city. In Isaiah, that's speaking of these, these cities of man, these strongholds of man's pride. And he lays it low, lays it low to the ground, casts it to the dust. The foot tramples it, the feet of the poor, the feet, the steps of the needy. All those who attached themselves and celebrated their message of their own humility, the message of their own weakness, those that attach themselves to the everlasting rock, it's they who will be in that city that one day, enjoying God's victory. They're just simply trampling on the dust after God has brought in the victory. So look up, Christian. Look up and look to God and trust Him. Bring every burden and lay it upon Him. And that's the voice of the redeemed community for us today. Look to the Lord and trust Him. So that is, a, again, a future look. Now Isaiah is going to take us back down into the present. We have the second voice that we need to hear from. And that's the voice of the faithful community in Isaiah's day. Isaiah, through these verses 7 all the way through 19, are going to use the first person plural, us and we. So he's really speaking on behalf of all those who trust the Lord in Isaiah's day. It's kind of like an autobiography of those, of those believers. So what does life look like for people that... Trust the Lord, who are looking for that day, awaiting it. For they do, it says in these verses, that they yearn for the Lord. It says in verse 8, In the path of your judgments, O Lord, we wait for you. Your name and remembrance are the desire of our soul. My soul yearns for you in the night. My spirit within me earnestly seeks you. So what does life look like for them? And what can we learn from them that will help us trust the Lord? Well, in those verses, as we read them, there was a few things that stuck out, and one of them was difficulty. Their life was marked by difficulty. Look at verse 10. If favor is shown to the wicked, he does not learn righteousness. In the land of uprightness, he deals corruptly. He does not see the majesty of the Lord. They're living around a host of people that don't love the Lord like they do, and they actually deal corruptly. Look at verse 13. It says, O Lord our God, other lords besides you have ruled over us. So they've experienced oppressive leaders. Times of poor kings and foreign nations ruling over them. Look at verse 16. O Lord, in distress they sought you. So the, the, their life is characterized not by, by ease and, 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 and temporal blessings. It's actually marked by pain and difficulty. And it's also marked by waiting. Verse 8 says, In the path of your judgments, O Lord, we wait for you. 
That's the Christian life. It's the Christian life is one of waiting. Waiting for what the Lord will bring, what the Lord has promised. So what do we need to learn from them? These people have amazing hope. So he goes through this, this whole section, and they're, and they're talking about life, and they're talking about the pains and the difficulty, and they end at verse 19 with this amazing statement of resurrection hope. That also is, is one of the core gospel truths of our faith, that one day we will rise like Jesus and live forever, and they have it. It's undiminished by this life of difficulty. I think the first thing we need to learn from them is they were people of the Word. They, as they walked this life, looked to the Lord. It says in verse 7, The path of the righteous is level. You make level the way of the righteous. In the path of your judgments, O Lord, we wait for you. Your name and remembrance are the desire of our soul. Name, you know, we think of character, the character and attributes of a person. Remembrance, they're bringing back to mind all of God's work and His deeds that he's done in the past, and they're looking forward to his promises, and they're continually bringing these things to mind as they wait in the present. And it steadies them. And that's what we need to do. We need to, we need to also, as we take every step in this Christian life, scan the pages of the Bible, learn the character of the Lord, and see what he's done so we can claim God's promises. And we can say, no, the Lord is with me through this trial. And then we can look back, and we've walked, and we've We've picked up our cross and we follow Jesus. We can have to actually look back and we, when we've been walking by faith in the Word, we can look back and say, The Lord has brought me this far. It hasn't been myself, it hasn't been my, my actions that helped me just kind of wiggle through this life, but the Lord has made it level. And that's what the Word of the Lord does. Even though life is difficult, He carries us through. And He does that as we look to Him in His Word. It's a marvelous thing. The name and remembrance of the Lord are the desire of, your soul, of our soul. So the challenge for us today is to feast on the Lord amidst difficulty. To learn about Him and to fuel our love for Him and our trust in Him. As we see and learn about His judgments all written about in Scripture. And this detaches us from the world as we actually feast on God's words and we aren't looking horizontally. But there's another thing we need to learn. So this helps us trust the Lord being in His Word, but there's another thing also that this community of faith tells us about when life gets difficult. It's pray. It's call out to the Lord. Did you see how many O Lords are in this section? Look at verse 11. O Lord. Look at verse 12. O Lord. Verse 13. O Lord our God. Verse 16. O Lord. End of verse 17. O Lord. They're, they are appealing to the Lord. They're going to Him in faith and trusting Him with lament and petitions. And they're trusting Him. They're putting all their circumstances, they're filtering it through Him, and the reality that He exists, and that He loves them, and that He hears them, and that He answers prayer, and that He will keep them. So that's a challenge for us today from this text. How do we, how do we learn to trust the Lord? We learn to trust in Him by praying to Him. By aligning our will and our circumstances with His will. By taking our story and subsuming it up into his story. That's what we need to do. And as we do that, we will further be detached from this world and the pains and the situations that will make us run horizontal because we'll be further stayed on the Lord. So waiting is part of the Christian life. Reading the Bible is part of the Christian life. Praying to God in our weakness is part of the Christian life. But also having the loving discipline of our Heavenly Father is part of life as well. 
Do you catch that in the text? Verse 16, it says, O Lord, in distress they saw you, they poured out a whispered prayer when your discipline was upon them. Like a pregnant woman who rises and cries out in her pangs when she is near to giving birth, so we were because of you. So God was revealing to them their weakness and their dependence by showing them their futility, by showing them how by their actions of their own strength, when they're trying to be their own savior, that they would fail. They could not accomplish even what God wanted them to. And it mourned them, and God's heavy hand was upon them, and that was such a loving thing, because it too draws us back to Him. Suffering, He takes us and brings us into His very bosom, and shows us His character. So this is what the Lord does. Waiting, prayer, reading the Bible, and His very loving concern enough to discipline us is all what can fuel us down into verse 19. Your dead shall live, your body shall rise. You who dwell in the dust, awake and sing for joy. For joy. So all that waiting and looking to his word, praying, and having the Lord's concern for them and, 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 and imminence in their life, where he is actually present and disciplining them and helping them and guiding, leads them to have not a wavering hope, but a real hope, a lasting hope, a concrete hope. That they could just burst out after all this talk of pain and difficulty and their own weakness and their own lack of, of, of accomplishments. They can say, your dead shall live. It's your dead shall live. That they've entrusted themselves to God. So that's the voice of the faithful community in the present. And it's one we need to hear because life for, for, for many of us is difficult. So keep trusting the Lord. Keep looking to Him. In his word and keep running to him in prayer. So after this, this hope of resurrection, we now need to, we're going to hear the word from the prophet himself. And that's verse 20 through 21 through 27, verse 1. So 26, 20 through 27, 1. So he's, he's speaking now. He, 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 this is his own words. He says, come my people, enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourselves for a little while until the fury has passed by. For behold, the Lord is coming up from his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. In 27.1, he says, In that day the Lord with his hard and great and strong sword will punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent. So the, the prophet now is, is also helping us to look up, and he wants us to see something about God. And I want us to pause for a minute, and I want us to ask ourselves, if someone has walked up to you and said, just with, with one word, tell me who your God is. Tell me something about Him. What do, you, what, do you, what do you think you would say? Something, how would you respond to that person? Our mind goes to His goodness. My God is good. He's the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's righteous. He's holy. He's eternal. But the prophet wants us to see in these verses that our God is able and it's a common word in the Bible that's attached to our God that our God is able. He's able to do far more than we ask or think or can do. And that's what he's showing us. He's able to hide us and shelter us until we come into the fruit of that glorious day. And he's able to defeat our enemies that need to be defeated before we can enter into that glorious day. So he tells the people, as you wait for your resurrection hope, Hide yourselves in this present time in the Lord, for his fury is going to pass by. It's going to come out and punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. He said, our God, our God is able to keep you from that. 
He's able to be that tender shelter, that strong refuge. I think of the Lord as steadfast love. It's often uh, referred to the Lord that He is a God of steadfast love. So He's loving and tender enough to, to keep us, and He's strong enough to defeat our enemies. Our faith and our victory in the Christian life is due to the victory of Christ and the victory of our God. And he says, for behold, the Lord is coming out. And he wants us to know that in that day when he comes out, he is able to defeat all that we think is insurmountable, all that we think cannot be beaten and is formidable. He is going to swiftly remove it and usher us into his wonderful kingdom. It says, in that day, verse 1, the Lord with his hard and great and strong sword will punish the Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, twisting serpent, and the dragon. In other parts of the Bible, these are these are names are given to, to these creatures of the sea that are, are 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 strong and dangerous and live in a dangerous part of the earth in the deep seas. But our minds go to something else, don't they? When we think of the, the serpent and the dragon. They go to what has ailed us ever since the fall, and that is the enemy of God's people, the serpent, the devil himself. So in these verses, they, they call to mind that our Lord is able to bring about an end to evil. Evil will not last. The devil's reign and his deception will not last. For our God is able. So trust the Lord. Draw strength in his might. Draw strength from his power. And I love how quickly it's, it's remarked. We read earlier that there's going to be a... Uh, in chapter 20 of Revelation, it talks about the serpent's going to be released again. He's going to deceive the nations. He's going to gather this big army. And they're going to number more than the sand and the seashore. And then it says a fire came down from heaven and consumed them. Just like that. That's how quick it will be. That's how strong our God is. So look to Him and trust Him. And finally, the fourth voice that we need to hear is from the Lord Himself. And these are in verses 2 through 5 of chapter 27. So what's, what's, the, what's the purpose of this resurrection hope in verse 20? What are we saved to, risen to? What are we, have our enemies defeated so that we can enjoy? It's this pleasant vineyard. Verse 2 says, In that day a pleasant vineyard, sing of it. I marvel, sometimes I, when I'm driving up north, my mom lived in, in Timmins, northern Ontario, you drive... And you see a, a, a portion of land that was scorched by fire, just kind of went through and, and, and took out acres and acres of land. But then you drive up another year and you go by that same scorched ground and there's all these fresh green shoots and life was springing up from what was formerly dead and formerly desolate. And that's a picture of what the, of, of the Lord is giving us. There's a pleasant vineyard. That's the, that is this day. He's describing it as a vineyard. It's going to be marvelous. It's going to be thriving and flourishing and healthy and robust. Sing of it, is what the Lord says. Sing of it. That's how wonderful it will be. He, and what he wants to sing, he wants us to sing about his keeping. What will mark that day? But the Lord's presence with his people. And we read about that earlier in Revelation 21 and 20. I, the Lord, am its keeper. Every moment I water, lest anyone punish it. I keep it day and night. He wants us to know that that's what eternity will be like. The Lord that we've trusted, that we've looked to, we will see. We will know. And we will know His loving care for us for eternity. That's worth singing about. That's worth feasting our minds on and staying our minds on. 
And there's a beautiful statement here in verse 4. It says, I have no wrath. I have no wrath. In that day, when the Lord returns, and when we are with Him in eternity, it will be a place absent of wrath. Absent of all that is evil and wrong, and absent of God's wrath toward people. It's gone. It will not be in that place. And that's interesting, for this picture of this vineyard is actually spoken of in Isaiah chapter 5. When the, the Israelites themselves could not keep the word of the Lord. They couldn't look after themselves. And God's wrath was upon them. But in this day, that will be gone. And God's love for us is so strong and so passionate. He, has to, he just can't help but, but tell us about it. He says in verse 4, Would that I had thorns and briars to battle. There's going to be no thorns there or briars, but if they were there, I'm going to crush them. That's how much I love you. That's how strong my protection is for you. And even more beautiful still is this statement in verse 5, or let them lay hold of my protection. Let them make peace with me. Let them make peace with me. I don't know what's, what's brought you here this morning. Maybe you don't know Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you don't trust the Lord. Maybe you don't look to His Word. But maybe you're, you're starting to think to yourself, this sounds pretty good. I, I, I think I'd enjoy that place. I want that message. I want this to be my home. But maybe you're held back by thinking about, maybe, maybe the Lord doesn't know about that certain side of my heart. Maybe He doesn't know about that drug addiction I have. Maybe He doesn't know about that friendship that I ruined or those slanderous words that I spoke or all those years of casting off God and His mercy. He doesn't know about those deep-rooted sins in my heart. I want you to hear this morning the words of God Himself. These are His words. Or let them lay hold of my protection. Let them make peace with me. Let them make peace with me. God is holding out His hand. He's holding out His welcome. He's saying, it doesn't matter what you have in your life. Come and make peace with me and you can enjoy this hope. You can have this future. That's God's word for you. But then the question arises, how does this day have no wrath in it? If God's people, His wrath has even been formally over them, over the nations... What is, how could this be a genuine offer if I've got sin in my heart that God can welcome me in? That I can lay hold of His protection, that I can have peace with Him. And the rest of the verses, and Isaiah really does, he gives us hints, little hints of how this is going to happen. And that's what he does in these, in these remaining verses. There is a, a, another reference to exile, to God's punishment, but also to atonement. Did you catch that? says in verse 9, Therefore by this the guilt of Jacob will be atoned for. And this will be the full fruit of the removal of his sin. So we're getting these words, Isaiah, this is the first time atonement, this word atonement is used. And that is to help us, it's a little, little clue, little marker towards where he's going to really expound on that in Isaiah 53. He's saying this is the way, this is the way that Israel will be able to come back to me. That strangers and nations will be able to come in and make peace with me and know my protection. This is how there will be no wrath in that day. Atonement is going to happen. That's what we need. Atonement is this beautiful doctrine of substitution and sacrifice and Christ giving of Himself and pouring out His blood and His life on the cross willingly so that sins can be forgiven. It's what makes enemies friends. It's what makes this, this plea of God to come and make peace with me valid because Christ Jesus came and died. And I want to read you these verses in Isaiah 53. 
it says, Surely he, speaking of this figure that was come, this servant that was going to come, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. Maybe you know your transgressions this morning. Hear that again. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement, that punishment that brought us peace. There's that beautiful word, peace. And it says, and with his wounds we are healed. And it says in, those, in that chapter, it was the will of the Lord to crush him. So this is how God is going to bring about this new perfect kingdom. He's bringing it, bringing it about through His Son, Jesus Christ, so that we can enter into it through His Son, Jesus Christ. And this exile, Israel was going to go into this exile, and they were going to know His punishment, and the Messiah was the way out of that exile. The Messiah, the person of Jesus, the work of Jesus. So that's why we can end again with hope. Look at verse 12. It says, In that day, from the river Euphrates, the brook of Egypt, the Lord will thresh out the grain, and you will be gleaned one by one. Let me just pause there. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you will not be lost. In that day, he's not going to lose one. He's going to come and he's going to glean from all corners of the world, all those who have ever trusted Jesus, and you're going to be with him. It says in verse 13, In that day a great trumpet will be blown, and those who were lost in the land of Assyria, and those who were driven out of the land of Egypt, will come and worship on the holy mountain in Jerusalem. So trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. Our God is able. He is able to keep you. He's able to rise your, your, your fleshly body from the dead. He's able to defeat the greatest enemies. And He has done that on the cross by, by Jesus' blood, destroying the power of, of unforgiven sin and death. And God is going to bring this about. And that's the great power of our Lord is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It says in Romans... For this is, uh, this is the power of God unto salvation. That's what the gospel is. Our God is powerful. The gospel is powerful. And we have a hope. Because God's word gives us that hope. And God's work and God's activity can give us that hope. So trust in him today. And savor the gospel. We're going to savor it, again, savor it here today together. The hope that Christ brought. The new covenant through his blood. And the hope that he is going to return again at that trumpet blast. I love the, uh, there is a fountain filled with blood, that song by, I think it's William Cooper. And I, uh, I sing it to my son, and there's a, there's a verse in it, and it says, um, The thief on the cross was rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there, though I, though vile, though vile as, as he, washed all my sins away. And we cherish the fountain that Jesus Christ provided at the cross. So we look forward to celebrating that now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we were so thankful that the cross and Jesus' work there can truly wash all our sins away. So we're thankful for Him. We're thankful for a hope that can keep us rooted in the present. Pray that you grant us perseverance through your Spirit. That you would show us, even this week, great things from your word that would increase our trust in you and not our own strength. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.